This week on The Clappers, Catch 22, at last. Peterloo, at past. <laughs> and Lanius, Monstera Deliciosa, out now. Get it fast. Welcome to The Clappers. This is the podcast where you can rant all you like. Apparently, apparently, yeah, yeah. You can't because you're listening, and no one can hear you, and nobody cares. <laughs> I suspect there are people yeah. listening yeah. who are ranting, going, "This podcast <laughs> is just full of this guy ranting. What's, what's what's with this?" We are such a good podcast. Once again, I listen to a podcast <laughs> that I enjoy that is so hopeless and such a fumbling mess. I won't say what it is because I've already said what it is a few times on this uh, podcast. But you're not talking about us. No, no, no we're, we're, we're professional we're by comparison. By comparison, right? Okay. Really are, yeah. Oh, all right. Okay. Excellent. Okay. Good to know. Well, I'm, Ca- I'm Carl Quinn. Who are you? <laughs> I'm Andrew Young. We're yeah. the best. You're slightly hysterical. <laughs> I know. I know. Puberty, man. Andrew. Carl. What have you been up to? There's a, a new album out that I, I love. A good album. I I do, and I tell you, it's like I've been waiting all year for this album, and I didn't even realize it. What? Yeah, sometimes things hit you like that. A band or a film or a book or a poet will just knock you between the blades and you go, I've been waiting for this. Where has it been? And Where frankly, have you been all my... Well, yeah. yeah. Um, it's the latest album, Monstera Deliciosa by Lanius. Now, I, I've seen his work before. I know I don't know him, but I, I, I've seen him play in a band. Um, and, and so, you know, I'm not unfamiliar. Well, with hang him. on, hang on. Yes. Where's he from? He's from Brisbane. What? And he's been in a whole bunch of different. Uh, I won't give you the whole bio. Been in a whole bunch of different collectives. He, if you're familiar with the Grammy Award nominated band Hiatus Coyote, mm-hmm. uh, a great band, also he does all their artwork. All right. And he was uh, when they were a, a nascent burgeoning unit. They wanted his his outfit to perform and and, and play with them in in their tour. And two of the guys from Hiatus are. Uh, very much involved in this album, Monstera right. Deliciosa, Simon Maven, the keyboardist and producer and bass player, Paul Bender. The bass on this album, oh, man. I tell you, there I was in the bath, supine, which is not an unusual posture to adopt in the bath, tankered. Supine sh- but not submarine. No. Mm. Tankered <laughs> of champagne in one hand. Because this, this is how we enjoy our champagne in the tankard service. Tankard of champagne. In the service, we enjoy our champagne <laughs> by the tankard. Of course, I'm referring to Her Majesty's Royal Navy, where we drink our champagne by the tankard. And I was reading... Pewter? Yeah. yeah. Uh, they, it stays so cold. Imagine <laughs> a piping, steaming bath, the nude Andrew Young, the oh, tankard of, oh, of frosty, oh, got, frosty got, champagne. Oh, it's an image once imagined, can never be unimagined. <laughs> The latest London review of books <laughs> and Lanius on Stereo Deliciosa. On, of course, uh, I don't have a stereo set up in the bath. I thought you were going to say you bath. didn't have a Monstera Deliciosa in the bath and I'm oh, glad to hear it. I don't. So I put I put my my phone listening legally to this album, I will add, in a, in a glass bowl, uh, giving it a bit more projection. And I listened to it three <laughs> times in a row. Oh. I normally will get up and change something, you know, yes. like three times in a row. I just can't get enough. It is like, it is like, if I can allude in this fashion, it is like a Christmas pudding, a Christmas <laughs> plum pudding and a lemon meringue pie. It is dense. I'm and not sure that that's a good combination. Not in, not in one, but it is dense oh. and fat and mm. yet gossamer light. 
and full of air, like mm. a meringue. It is and um, and whipped sharp like the but lemon sweet. curd. Yeah, man, it is great with lovely glistening yeah. peaks. Lovely glistening peaks. Did you listen to this album? I did. Yeah. What were your thoughts? I thought it was great. It, it's uh, sort of Reminds it's kind of yeah, uh, a little bit of Stereo Lab. I thought at yeah, times um, moments of Prince, Prince-like yep. vocal delivery. Ah, when you say that, mm. I think Sly and the Family Stone, which yeah, is where yeah, Prince yeah. would have because re- I know the Prince yeah, yeah, track yeah, yeah, you're yeah. thinking of. And do you? Uh, <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> well, I don't. I, I I thought of Sly and the Family Stone, yeah. the San Francisco outfit, but there was a lot of uh, Bristol, Massive Attack, and Porter set in there too. Didn't get that so much. Okay. But yeah, yeah. And and a couple of Japanese acts too. Cornelius. Cornelius. Did I you was, pick that? I was going to say Cornelius and Tower Tay, but yeah, right, yeah. Cornelius yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, all, I guess, going back to people like Lalo Schifrin, you know, um, great American, well, Brazilian, but film composers of American crime movies of the 50s and 60s. There's some great, well, Quincy Jones as well. Yeah. There's some great Creed Taylor kind of orchestration. Too. Creed Taylor used 100 people. There's about a, only a dozen people on this. Yeah. Of course, vibraphone and flugelhorn throughout, two of my absolute favourite instruments. I'll even, uh, yeah. like, I'll, I'll mention another thing that it reminded me of, and you may balk at this a little bit, but a little bit of gotcha, you know, uh, a little bit okay. at times. Okay, yeah. I, I, I know some of his work. I'm not, yeah. I'm not broadly across his work, but I can see where, where yeah. that would come yeah. from. I love the bass sound in mm. this. It's got that high, like, treble, plectrum-y kind of sound that you – definitely associate with the 60s and um, bass players like Carol Kay on all those sessions. It's um, a short album. Maybe that's how I could listen to it three times yeah. in a row. It leaves you wanting more. Uh, uh, more hot water? More. Because, I mean, if you listen to it three times in the same bath, you No, know, that's why I only listen to it three times because I go in a – I'll tell you how I do it, all right, my friend. I go in hot tap only. Scolding. Hot tap only. Really? Yep, hot right. tap only. Right. Okay, I'll go in and be ah! – and I'll stand there for a little while, looking at myself in the mirror, drinking my tankard of <laughs> champagne, reading my London Review of books. This is way much, way more information than I need. And eventually, I'll be able to get sink in there and be cool. Um, well, not cool, but it'll be it'll be hot. And it's good. That's how you should have a bath. You should have a hot bath, not a lukewarm bath, unless there's, there's some illness that won't let you have a, a hot bath. I'm I'm with you on the hot bath thing. Mm. Uh, last time I had a bath was about eight years ago, and I'm pretty sure it was hot. Well, you're doing yourself a disservice. There's some interesting instruments on this album, and I don't know what some of them are. Go on. There's one called a guzeng. Okay, I'm I'm not sure what that is. There's one. Is that po- with a ZH? Yeah. yeah, I think that is a Chinese stringed instrument, like a like a. a, a what, what do you call that? Not, not a zither, but something okay. in that well, sort of... Like the Japanese koto type thing. If so you say so. There's also played by Barney McCall, the ARI award-winning Australian jazz pianist, Bulbul Tarang. Mm. So, I think that's a stop on the Packenham line, isn't it? Ah, uh, that's that's beneath you, remark like it's that, not. Carl. It's it east, is, east it of is. me. There's a lot of horns on here that uh, they, they just fill it out. The drums are... Interesting, uh, really well played. Uh, the whole thing is is put together 
just beautifully. Mm. Uh, Lanius writes all of it. I think he does all the vocals, like all the lead. So I think what we need to do is have a word with Mr. Lanius and say, Mr. Lanius, can we play a little snippet of of some of this music? I'm sure sure it's fine. Oh, is it? Yeah, I'm sure it's fine. You've talked to his lawyers already. um, All good. I'm I'm in touch with his publicist who said anything you want. Yeah, because I think think describing music Mm. as a little bit like, what are they saying? Oh, it was fully my intention for us to play play some (laughs) some dancing about architecture. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, it was fully my intention to play some of this music. Okay, we have to edit out that bit where I say I'm in touch with his publicist. You know, <laughs> no, we really? don't. Oh, we, we have do. to leave oh, it in. No, we don't. Oh, because no, we you don't. mock me when I have lunch I with do. people. I and do. I do that as I part do. of my job. Yeah, I don't yeah. go willy-nilly uh, dropping reference no, to people's publicists. strange people. And I don't – look, I don't I don't know this guy. And listen, I think it's really important. Like if I was talking about my friend's albums, you'd be going, oh, really? No. I don't know this guy at all. I'm giving you the complete honest uh, opinion of something that I think is wonderful and really worth listening to if – it's again. This we haven't really described what type of music it is. People are calling it new soul. I'm not sure what that even means, but it's it's a mixture of a whole lot of sounds, like the bands that we we mentioned. If you're if you're into Cornelius, uh, Tower Tay, Portishead, maybe um, Stereo Lab, you'll you'll find a, a, a happy birth in the in the bay where the ship of Monsteria Deliciosa is birth. Soul Has No Tempo, out on Soul Has No Tempo is uh, Lanius. Now, a couple of singles have come off this already, so you may already know about this. Uh, you can get on the Bandcamp thing. You can actually go to a shop because it has a really amazing cover. Am I right? You are. It's a great cover. It's In case you don't know, Monstera Deliciosa mm. is is a, a plant. It's a I think it's a tropical plant, I think it's fair mm. to say. And I used to live next door to somebody who had one that was yeah. – Higher than the house, yeah. And when Hence you see the monster, and <laughs> once you see the fruit on them, they're like oh, these yes. giant phallic sort of well, custard apple type. I'm glad things. you said that because there is a certain nod, dare I say, homage to Prince's album "Love Sexy." Do you remember the yeah, yeah. cover of Prince's album "Love Ooh, Sexy"? Hang on, do I? No, I don't remember okay, the cover of it. Well, well um, there's this album pays homage okay. to, to that album. Lanius out now on Soul Has No Tempo. So, Andrew, student of history that you are, yes. if I said to you, Peterloo? I would say a workers' uprising that resulted in a massacre of said workers in Manchester sometime in the 18, I'm going to say 1820 around then. Oh, you're so far off. Am I? Okay. 1819. Oh, <laughs> oh! Give that man a cigar. That's pretty good. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, it was a massacre of uh, eighteen people died. Mm-hmm. Between four and seven hundred people were injured, and mm-hmm. um, it involved uh, cavalry and yeomanry uh, and constabulary wading into this crowd. And uh, the cavalry basically went in with sabers drawn and started hacking into people. And uh, it's the subject of the new film by Mike Lee. There is, I guess, you would say that Mike Lee 
has a kind of uh, political element to his filmmaking. Yeah, degree. not to the same degree as Loach, certainly. No, no. Um, and it's very much very conscious of class politics. There's no <laughs> question uh, of that. Can I just yes? Yeah, go on. I would say he's very conscious of middle class politics. Yeah. Well, I would say. Yeah. I would say lower middle class. As a as a as a, a, a proud socialist and member of the middle class yeah. myself, mm. I, I would you can identify. I can identify. Yeah. So anyway, this one is firmly <laughs> I, I in cannot. this is firmly in the space yeah. of historical drama, and uh, it's 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 kind of um, unlike most historical drama. It spends a lot of time constructing scenes mm. from the actual historical record. Mm. So there are a lot of speeches in this film. Okay. Right. So it's, I think, it's well over two and a half hours I was long. I going to say. And the speeches are often given in, uh, in well, not in their entirety, but mm. the great slabs okay. of uh, what, you know, speechifying, basically. Yeah. There's people standing in front of crowds mm-hmm. orating. Mm-hmm. And I think it's very deliberate. Both to const- both to construct the sort of the the sort of framework against which these events happened, mm. and 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 the speeches are actually a very important part of it. In this is a, a period where there was very little political representation for ordinary working class people. They couldn't vote. Uh, you you could only vote uh, if you had. Uh, Property that yeah. brought a particular um, re- level of revenue, yeah. right? So if yeah. it earned income, then you, you were entitled to the vote. Uh, there was something I read that suggested that there were there were two MPs in the sort of the man, the Lancashire area, yeah. and one of them was elected on a single vote. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it was a, a very very corrupt. It was the time system. of the rotten boroughs, yes, where, the rotten where, boroughs and indeed. pocket boroughs, where lords would kind of own the electorate, so to speak, and and uh, groups would would uh, not unlike now, tickets would get put together in order to satisfy the vote that the the lord demanded of whoever yeah. was going to represent them in the commons. Yeah. So there was. Bugger all by way of yep. uh, ordinary representation. Completely disenfranchised. The Completely disenfranchised. So this this is sort of uh, it's post the um, post the Napoleonic Wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first scene in the film is of uh, a, a, a British soldier, mm-hmm. a, bu- a bugler, on the battlefield, dazed and confused, in the midst of a charge. And you only get sort of like fragments of this. You don't get a big battle scene. That's yeah. not Mike Lee territory. Yeah, yeah. But you get enough to suggest what's going on. And then we cut to him coming back to England, mm. and he's still dazed and confused. Mm. And basically you'd say, well, it, this is a f- it starts off, you go, oh, this is a film about some poor guy who's got PTSD. Yeah. And it's not. No. He's just a member of a family that gets swept up by this because this is a story that is not about the individuals, really. Yeah. It's about a movement and it's about a moment and about how it was horrendously crushed. And uh, and in in that act, I guess you'd say that the, the Labour movement really had its its foundation. Uh, mm. Post that, there was a lot of agitation and... and, and uh, you know, you, you started to get the movement for decent working conditions and, and for representation. Not immediately. It no. took some time. But, um, yeah, it's it's an interesting film in that it's sort of kind of really slow yeah, and really sort of disjointed. And because of that lack of sort of 
individuals driving the narrative. I mean, you get different characters who you get to meet, but mm. you don't get that strong sense of... I mean, the classic Hollywood narrative is about somebody who wants something and the obstacles they face. Yeah, This is about a group of people, the working class, yeah. who want something, which is a better deal, yeah. and the obstacles they face. And really, the obstacles only manifest in the final act, and it's, it's that sort of... You, it's somewhere between... I, th- I think north of 60,000 people gathered in this square... Um, Peterloo, oh, well, sorry, uh, St. Peter's uh, Field. And, uh, you know, the, the number the number of deaths is relatively low, I guess, uh, you know, in relation to the size of the crowd. Mm. But the way in which the whole scene was handled, it was a peaceful protest. It was a peaceful ga- – it wasn't even a protest, really. It was no, a peaceful gathering. A gathering they yeah. gathered to hear some people speak mm-hmm. about the, the sort of movement for suffrage, and they were cut down, literally cut mm. down. Uh and it's the final that final act is remarkable it's really really powerful and you kind of get the sense of well i guess we needed the framework to to allow us to understand the the uh, the import of of what's going on here and the disconnect between what they're asking for and how they're treated um but you know as drama it sort of plots a little yeah i can see what you're saying does, does it go into what the reaction was to that uh, in, in the press? Or only in in, only or? sort of – actually, I'm just trying to think. I don't think there's even title cards really at the end. There's not really anything yeah, okay. that sort of – it just sort of leaves it hanging. It yeah, ends, and then yeah. it's up to you if you want to find out. That's what, right. Yeah. Which I think is, is fine. Well, I guess so. I mean, it, I, should, I, I mean, did wonder that about that the decision. End, should the end of the film be the massacre or should the end of the film be – subsequently happened related to well it's interesting i mean because I, I did i did sort of wonder about that it was like well is he going to tell us what happened next and 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 no mm-hmm. is, is the answer um and i kind of thought well is that a is that a deliberate ploy that forces you a, a to Peter sort Lou. of like go further yeah. right and find out for yourself if you're interested enough and if you haven't completely fallen asleep by the slow journey to get there yep. um and B, it it sort of refuses the easy resolution, mm. which is, and then everything was okay. Yeah, you know, and then we got democracy. <laughs> you know, it's because it, it, no. it's not that simple. No. You know, um, so it was an interesting choice to to not give you that kind of what happened next, mm. uh, which is often the way historical dramas will will end. Um, they will they will in fact give you that little closing bit, so they go, oh, and that's what happened. Ah, you know. Yeah. yeah, Eugene Onegin is, is not one that gives you a, a happy note at the end. Um, there are so many, so many Russian ones that 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 are dramatic historical um, fiction, but yeah. you know they they it's it's I think it's good. Some well, not even I think it's good any time somebody wants to end a film without feeling forced to make you feel good. Or happy, or better. It's uncommon, I think, in in a story that is, is giving you is. an historical event and l- so to leave you at that point. Mm-hmm. It's, I think that's a very uncommon. And that's move. how women got the vote. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, a little. No, no, it's, no. Little. I'm, I'm saying that that that. I mean, and, and I'm not for a, a second saying that the only way that the, that end title can mm. can resolve it is by giving you the and that's how we got the vote kind of thing. Quite yeah. often, it doesn't do that. No. Quite, quite often, it will leave you go. You, you sort of 
leaves the cinema incandescent with rage because you yeah. go, how can that possibly be the way that happened? Ah, mm, you know, mm. this is it. Just kind of leaves you going. It's so disproportionate well, the they way they responded. A, if Ken Loach made a film about it, it would definitely out. have an end title, <laughs> and it would leave you incandescent with rage. Yeah, I was going to say if he made one about Amritsar, then you would be shaking your head with fury and going. Ugh. So, would you tell people who would see this film? Who would like this film? Uh, I think people who've got an interest in history, certainly people who've got an interest in, um, you know, the sort of the labour movement. Yeah. Uh, and I'd go beyond the labour movement. I kind of think it's sort of... The Whig movement. <laughs> uh, no, I'd say anybody who's got an interest in the power of words to motivate people to action. Um, it, it sort of, in, in a strange way, it reminded mm-hmm. me a little bit of... So uh, Don Watson, he'd, he'd like this film. Don Watson might like this film, yes, yeah. indeed. It reminded me a little bit about the um, the, the Churchill film uh, recently, Darkest Hour, It's in, in that it's really about uh, words as a sort of uh, a lever to political mm-hmm. action and motivation mm-hmm. and getting, gotcha. getting the populace to, to do something. Uh, you know, in the case of the darkest hour, you know, to sort of like hold their faith and get involved in the war effort and all the mm. rest of it in mm. this case to basically get up and demand better than they've they've been told they, they is all they can have, mm. you know. It's it's interesting in that sense. Yeah. But, you know, it's a long time to get to where it's going. bit like this show sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> what right do these men have with this money when those they have robbed are starving for want. They have no right, no right at all. No, sir, they do not have that right. No. But we have a right. Aye. We have a right to present a petition to this big fat prince, and that we propose to do. This petition will demand, at last, a fair, proper, and full representation for all Englishmen. Aye. Have you read Catch-22? Oh yes, yes. It's it's long, but it's really worth it. Yeah, it's really worth it. Yeah. But the thing is, you look at it and you go, "It's really long." Yeah. And you go, "I sound like a dope, don't I?" Am I going? It's long, but it's really <laughs> worth it. You look at it and you go, "It's long." Did you watch The Sopranos? But I'm not. <laughs> but I'm not going to start it because it's long. But mm. then I'll feel that I'm missing out on something because it's really good. Mm. But I'm never going to know because it's that's uh, the catch twenty. No, it's not. Mm. Anyway, yeah, I get it. Yeah, I've read other long books. Yeah, good. I good. think it's important yeah. to to force yourself sometimes if you have to. Middlemarch, Moby Dick, two of the best books I've ever read in my life. Three Musketeers, all really long books, mm. 700 pages or more. Yep. Mm. Which is a long way of getting to yeah. the fact that there's a TV series. Oh, I can't wait for this. An adaptation. I saw a little snippet of this. This looks as good, perhaps, as the Mike Nichols film. I have seen the first two episodes. Yep. That's all that's mm-hmm. been made available, available so far at this, yep. at this point in time. And uh, it's pretty damn good. It's good. really good. good. It should be My, too, shouldn't it? It's a long time ago since it's a long time since I saw the Mike Nichols film. Yep. Um, and probably even longer since I read the novel. Yep. My recollection of the film is that it's kind of it's very fragmented. It's slightly sort of uh, it's episodic, disjointed, and it's episodic. I, I don't feel it's disjointed, but that's that's a that's a fair remark. Well, sure. it's it's not linear in any no, sort no, of no, no. Uh, clear oh, no. sense. I like it. Yeah, and and the same would be said of the novel. Yes, and I think that in this though it is slightly more linear without being 
Mm-hmm. Precisely so. Because the novel doesn't really have a it, – it, it's a circular yeah. set of frightening events. It's Yeah. Uh, it's if for people who don't know anything, of it, there could be people out there. Absolutely. It's set in – Italy and North Africa, well, the campaign from North Africa, the invasion of Italy in the Second World War of the American Army, right? And the main character is a man named Yossarian, who's a bombardier in a bomber, right? And the whole thing about... Best place to be a bombardier, I find. The whole thing about Catch-22 is that they... Apparently, you fly a certain amount of missions, you get to go home. It's a highly dangerous job being in a plane in the Second World War, and you're likely to get shot out of the sky. And... He finds himself feeling like he's going mad because it seems like you have to fly this many missions. No, it's gone up to this many missions. And he says, "Well, can't can't I can't I like get out on a on a kind of madness technicality?" Well, no, because if you say you're mad, obviously you're you're not mad because you're sane because you're trying to pretend that you're mad. But then only an insane person would want to stay, and it kind of revolves around itself. And it's uh, there's there's a it seems like. From my recollection, every single person in the book, every single American serviceman in the book is mad in some way or other. Yeah. And it's there are some really gruesome, frightening parts of that book too. Um, the actors who are in the film, I think, are all deadpan masters. Norman Fell, Buck Henry, um, Charles Grodin, Martin, Martin Sheen's in it. Uh, of course, Alan Arkin plays your serian, Art Garfunkel, all of them deadpan flat fantastic so i love the film but i was very excited when i saw some little snips of of this um this series tell me who's in this series uh well george clooney's in it he's great isn't he clooney looks great uh, in uniform clooney's kind of like i i suspect a pretty powerful reason this thing got made right right? um you know you put george clooney's name on it as an executive producer as a director and as an actor Uh uh-huh and, you know, yeah. it's got a pretty good chance of getting up, I think. You yeah. know? Uh, he lives on Lake Colonel. But the creators of this are Luke Davies and okay. and David Michaud, who are both Australian. I know those names. Uh, David Michaud yeah. is probably most famous for um, Animal Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Luke Davies wrote Candy um, and, and a number of other things. And, and uh, they, they basically thought they, – they got approached uh, by a producer in America saying, okay – what class? You know what classic? You know book? Do you think should be brought? They got up to really? a short form. Someone approached him and said yeah. that. Yeah. Well, so I read in a trade paper. I mean, you know, if it's true, it's true. Goodness. I don't know. That'd and and this is what they wanted to do. So, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, they they got it up. So when you say short form, what what's that? Well, six six parts. Okay. All right. So it's like a short form series. It's well, that's not more than the film. So you, you, well, that's you, right. You, that's right. You know. And it's like you know they've got three times the length of the film to tell yeah. this story. So you get more of the episodes. Mm-hmm. But I'd, I'd say you know, as I say, it's slightly more linear. I think in it, it is episodic, but it kind of feels like because they stretch a little bit more yeah. and not as sort of chopped around as the film. In, in my recollection, as I say, it's a long time since I saw the film. Um, so just kind of. It sits with you a little bit longer. How does it look? Looks beautiful. Because the looks thing, beautiful. The thing about the Mike Nichol film is that they shot it at the golden hour, one yeah. hour a day. They yeah. shot all their external. Most of the film is outside. They shot it from I don't know four till five or five wherever the sun is just low enough to make everything look gold yeah. and pretty. And so it took a long time to make. And they shot on location in in um, North Africa and in Italy, I think. Um, 
And so it looks, it's just the most beautiful looking thing. So I'm really pleased to, that this series looks beautiful. It does. It looks looks stunning. The uh, Like the battle scenes are also magnificent. There are battle scenes. There are indeed. Okay. There are scenes of the bombers and mm-hmm. uh, and the cockpits and, mm-hmm. and flak and, uh, mm. you know. Yep. Squad members not faring too well. It's yeah. it's very it's it's great. I think yeah, it, great. I think what I've seen so far, I'm really really impressed. Can you tell me who? But plays? Clooney, Clooney. Yeah. I just want to yes, make this yes. point because a lot of people are going, "Oh, George Clooney directs that, right?" And it's like, well, he directs two of the six. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, Grant Heslov directs two. He also plays the Doctor in it. Yep. The Doctor who explains what the Catch Twenty Two. Yes, 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 yes. What what that means? Who plays Chaplin Taplin, the Anthony Perkins? Uh, character, a guy called Jay Paulson, who I don't, I don't really know his work, but um, Yusarian is played by uh, Chris Rabbit, who's mm-hmm. probably best known as uh, Charlie, the boyfriend of Marnie in Girls in the first couple of seasons of Girls. Oh, I can't picture him, but but I know people who will be able to yeah, assist me yeah, yeah. in this, and this and he's should, really good. I mean, he's sort of like, is he? well, yeah, I think good. he's sort of like, well, you'd want to be. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, he's not like you know, he's. Sort of like a, you wouldn't even call him an anti-hero. He's sort mm-hmm. of like he's somebody who is suffering through mm-hmm. events rather than like he's not, you know, your classic yep. American or your Hollywood leading man yep. is, you know, trying to achieve something. The only thing he's trying to achieve, yeah. well, it's twofold. One is to get the hell out of there yes. and the other is to survive. <laughs> it's, you know? it's to not be killed. Yeah. It's 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 great stuff. Oh, I mean, I it manages to, it manages so excited to, about this. I it manages to sort of capture the sort of like the – uh, the comical moments mm-hmm. of of sort of you know military life where you're hanging yep. around, you're buffooning, you're doing silly stuff, and then the really sort of like absurdly comical moments where mm-hmm. the the machine that is a military demands things that are just incomprehensible mm-hmm. and so you know uh, maladapted to the yeah. situation. Yeah. And and that's where Clooney's character comes in. He's a he's a parade ground commander who yep. is drilling them into how to march properly, and he is furious about <laughs> the fact that their hands are moving more than three and a half inches in either direction. And, and it's it's a great kind yeah. kind of comic performance. Very very brief. He's he's in the probably the first third of the first episode. I think he resurfaces because right, the character yep. he plays, Scheisskopf. Scheisskopf. Um, I know what that means. Yes. For our non-German speaking <laughs> friends, it's shithead. And uh, he resurfaces in the book later on. So I, I think he resurfaces in episode five and maybe six. Okay. So. Some of you will not be coming back. There's no other way of telling you that. Just basic statistics tell us that. If in your final moments you see death, hello. Think not of death. Think of the living. And know this: that your sacrifice will not have been in vain. It doesn't make a difference who wins the war to someone who's dead. You're saying he's had his balls blown off? Approximately, sir. I want to see. Woof. Holy Moses! Don't kill the goats. You still think you're gonna get out of here? You're out of here! What? What is this nonsense? Insanity is contagious. That's some catch, that catch 22. From what I've seen, it's great. Well, and when when out. can the people see it? From May seventeen. Okay. So by That's the time really this goes soon. to air, yeah. it'll probably and, be on, and it'll be on Stan. It's on Stan. Oh, finally something for you, for me. 
<laughs> well, you're always talking about stuff, and it's always on Foxtel or Netflix, which I don't have. So I'm so happy. Or Amazon Prime. Because I want to talk about The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, but I can't see it because it's on a, a thing, a platform that I don't have. Amazon Prime. Yeah, I don't have that. Six bucks a month, mate. Oh, look, it adds up. It adds up. Maybe, maybe Amazon look, can be all you my have sponsor. To do, all you have to do is mm. give up two coffees or maybe feeding your child one day a week. Yeah. You know, I don't buy coffee out. Uh, oh, I, yeah. I got, so I, it has to be your child's I, meals, obviously. I, went, I have to say, full disclosure, I went somewhere on the weekend where I was given free coffee. Right. Really, and you refused to have Really it. nice coffee. Right. Really is, is be- better than what I would make it at home. And later on, free wine. Oh, what a day. Oh, man, it was one of the best days of my life. I had three coffees. <laughs> Thank you for listening. That is it for The Clappers for another episode. You can catch up with us, of course, on our Facebook page. We'll put that picture of Naughty Prince. <laughs> <laughs> and his delicious monster. 